Welcome to the Abundant Grace Podcast, where we discuss the gospel, freedom in Christ, and victorious Christianity. My name is Emily Lewis, and I am so honored that you are here. Sometimes Christianity can feel complicated or become heavy. I'm here to lighten that load. I pray that the chats had on this broadcast will empower and encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Hello, friends. I am so excited about the interview that I have today for the show. Kent Black is a personal friend, and I can personally relate to a lot of his story and his journey. I'm really thankful for his honesty and vulnerability as he shares his story and struggles along the way to finding freedom in Christ and true relationship with God. I know that it's going to be an encouragement to you and just a reminder that we do get to just rest in in God's grace and God's love, and that's what changes us from the inside out. There are a few audio glitches, so just bear with me. I'm working on getting the audio better with every episode. Thank you for being here and listening. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the show. Thank you for taking the time to be here, Kent. Um, yeah, glad to be here. Thank you. Could you please start with just an introduction of yourself and background bio? Sure. <clears throat> I was born in Montana, um, spent a lot of my life there, and um, born in a town called Helena. I was saved in Dillon, Montana, when I was 20 years old, and um, went to school at a couple different places, some college here and there. Of course, graduated high school. That was that was good. Um, and yeah, so I just, um, when I was 20 years old, I got saved there in Dillon at a little church. I heard the gospel for the very first time in my life and trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I knew I needed him. I'd been on a little bit of a walkabout going through the world, just stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Um, Walked into a church and uh, heard the gospel for the first time. Didn't get saved that time. Second time I walked into the same church because I was hungering for it. And then I got mad. And finally, the third time I walked in, uh, I think that was my last shot <laughs> that the Lord was going to give me. And uh, I trusted Christ as my Savior. Three quarters of the way through the service. Hadn't been the same since. Mm, I love that. What attracted you to the gospel? What was pulling you back? to come again? Well, it was, I didn't know what it was at the time, but the Holy Spirit was drawing me and I was under such heavy conviction. Um, I couldn't think straight. I, I, I had a big empty void in me that I could never seem to fill. And the only way that I was able to fill it was through Jesus Christ. I remember the very first night that I got saved, I went home and before I was scared to go to sleep at night. And I remember that night laying down on the bed and um, had a peace in my heart that I'd never had before in my life. It was absolutely wonderful. And I, I laid down and went to sleep, and um, it was just phenomenal. I knew something changed. Then I went to church again that next Sunday, and they sang, Blessed Be the Name. And I thought, yeah, something's going on. I had no idea what it was. I went down and bought a little $5 Bible and opened that thing up, and that thing came alive. And, uh, boy, it was amazing what went on that first few months. Just phenomenal. Mm, that's beautiful. Um, what was your relationship with like God like at that point in going forward? In the beginning phases, it was very good. Um, I didn't know anything. I didn't have any religion, church background, nothing like that. 
And so I was just devouring everything that I could devour. Um, if something was preached, I would, I would automatically assume that it was correct and right. And so I would just soak it all in. And, and um, the first few years were just absolutely wonderful. And then there was a, and I don't even know exactly when or how it began to happen, but there was a discontentment that started brewing inside of me because I kept messing up. And there was always that condemnation that just kept coming down on me. And I, it just, it just didn't seem right. I didn't have a lot of freedom. It seemed like Christianity should be a little bit more fun than, than it was. Um, but it was, it was honestly very grueling. And I would, I would do my little list. I would read 10 pages a day. I would hand out a certain amount of gospel tracts. I'd go to church every time the doors were open. Um, I, I had my list. And even when my list was completed, I still didn't feel complete. I still had that, that nagging, there's got to be more to this. I remember there were days where I didn't finish the list. And I'd go home at night and I'd apologize profusely to the Lord Sorry, I didn't read my 10 pages today. I know I only got a chapter in. I'm sorry that I didn't have out gospel tracts. And it was really, it was, um, boy, it was heavy. It was burdensome. And so it went on like that for a good number of years. And it, it really got to the point where it just became miserable to be a Christian. What a horrible thing to say. <laughs> and I knew there had to be something else to Christianity because the joy and the peace that I had when I first got saved was phenomenal. And I just didn't have it. And it, it, it frustrated me. So was there a certain thing in your life that, that caused you to change that relationship? Was there a, a circumstance or a run-in with something? What opened your eyes to that there was more? Well, I remember, I don't know, it was about eight or 10 years ago, I suppose. Um, I was driving down a road and... I, I had just messed up. It, it wasn't anything real big, but in my mind, it was huge. And I had this guilt and this condemnation over me. And, and I remember driving down the road crying and saying, God, I've done it again. I messed up again. Um, you might as well just kill me and take me home because I'm, I'm so tired of this. I pulled off to the side of the road. And I don't know, for a good while, I sat there on the side of the busy highway and just poured my heart out to God. And I said, God, there has to be more to this. I'm so frustrated. I can't live for you. I can't be the perfect Christian that I'm supposed to be. And just poured my heart out to him. <clears throat> Nothing really happened then, except about a year or so later after that conversation with the Lord, when I was in the ditch on the highway, um, he directed me to a, an evangelist who preached some things about grace. But I'll be honest, um, I thought he was a heretic. <laughs> I thought that he was so way out in left field. Um, that I, I, I honestly thought I could find some scripture to, um, <laughs> well, to hurt him pretty bad, <laughs> make his body disappear, that kind of stuff. Um, but it really just, it, it, what he said got into me, and it started stirring something in me that I had never knew existed before about the love of God, the grace of God, all of that. Another year or so went by, and I was still struggling trying to get out of that law mentality of just doing and doing and doing and trying to earn favor with God. And, and uh, finally, my wife got sick, and through her getting sick, they removed it, it removed us from the situation that we were in. 
and I was able to get out from underneath that obtrusive, um, that, that'll work, um, regime. And it allowed me to get out from underneath that and actually begin to think for myself, study my Bible for myself. And it was real interesting because shortly after we left Montana, um, my wife was recovering. We were sitting in a Mexican restaurant eating salsa and chips. And uh, I just, I, I looked across the table at my wife and I said, what happens if we don't read our 10 pages a day? And she looked at me with this fear in her eyes and she said, I don't know. I said, I'm going to try it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not read my Bible 10 pages a day for a week. <laughs> so the first day goes by and I just read about a chapter. I'm looking up in the heavens, waiting for the lightning bolts to come and you know, my car to blow up or something like that. The first day was great. Second day comes along and I'm, I read one chapter thinking, you know, I don't have my list finished. I haven't done my list. I haven't read my Bible like I'm supposed to and still waiting for the lightning bolts to come. They didn't come the second day. And it went like that for a number of days. And then I stopped and I asked her, I said, listen, what's, what happens if all I do is read one verse a day? And she said, oh, no, 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 you don't want to do that. No, no, you've, you've tested God enough. And I said, well, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so I went to just one verse, and I just meditated on that one verse. And then I went to one word after that. No lightning bolts, no slapping of the face or anything like that. My car didn't blow up. The refrigerator stayed together, all of that. And that was really where God began to show me his love and grace. And that it wasn't in order to earn his favor. It wasn't the obedience aspect of it, but it was learning his love and building that relationship with him. And that was huge. That was absolutely huge for me because I could relax. I wasn't quite there yet, but I could relax and, and begin to enjoy my Christianity. It was, it was a real blessing, I tell you. What do you think made you so resistant when you heard the message of grace and unconditional love in the beginning? Traditions of men, without a doubt. Um, it was drilled into me many, many Baptist doctrines and um, dispensations and all of that. And it became uh, almost, well, it was a man-made religion is what it became in my life. And the fact that I had to do away with the lists and actually be a real Christian, one that actually messed up um, and had troubles in his life and was discouraged every now and again, because what I was taught is you keep that facade on, you keep that, that look on. And if, if you have that look and you have that list, you're okay. And so I think, of course, it was pride. I think that was a lot of it that was holding me back. But the majority of it was the, the idea that perhaps I was going to get persecuted heavily and God was going to be absolutely upset with me. That, that was a, that fear thing. Um, I think on one of your podcasts, you talked a little bit about fear. And that was, that was fear in my heart of that taking place. It was a scary time. It really was. There was a, about a five-year period when I left kind of the regime it took me five years to detox from all of that. And within that five years, um, there was a lot of stuff I learned, a lot of stuff I tested God on. I won't tell you what they are, but um, it was it was just little, little baby steps that God was giving me to 
develop a relationship with him, which I never had before. I never had a relationship with him. Uh, it was always just the God in heaven. He's got his commandments. He's got his law. And if you do wrong, you're going to get thumped. And that was the relationship. Very unhealthy relationship, I might add. <laughs> yeah. I think even on an earthly perspective with another human being, like someone, a loved one, that's not a healthy dynamic. Not in the least. No, not in the least. <clears throat> but that's what was drilled into me was that kind of an attitude about who God was and what he was. And it was it was brutal because I, I wasn't I, I I grew up in a in an abusive home, but then my grandmother and my grandfather adopted me and gave me a very loving home. And so to have God as that image in my heart and mind, it went contrary to everything that my grandma and grandpa taught me. And that was another thing that God really showed me with me being adopted by my grandparents was that I was adopted. It talks about that in Ephesians. I was adopted into his family. And when I got adopted into my grandparents' family, I was a disaster. I mean, I was messed up in my head. My I had broken bones and everything else and a lot of baggage, but they just accepted me for what I was and who I was and how I was. And God did the same thing when I got saved. He knew all my faults. He knew when I was going to fail. And he accepted me just the way I was in in this state <laughs> mm -hmm. what was the like your first step towards that towards um, accepting his grace as uh, you could own it you know in, in all honesty it took me a little while um because i had been drilled in so much the obedience aspect of christianity you do this and god will do this you don't do this and god won't do this and so it was a really, it was a big process. And where it really came home to me was when I was in Wyoming pastoring. And there was a guy there who had worked all night long and overslept. He was one of my main guys. He overslept and um, missed church that night. And I, in my, I don't know, mean attitude, mean spirited attitude, I guess, I took him to task, dressed him up one side and down the other, told him he was backslid and probably going to hell, that kind of stuff. It was uh, makes me sick thinking about it. And as I'm doing all this, he's starting to tear up, and then tears start coming down his eyes. And, you know, me, me being the Baptist pastor that I was at that point, I told him to suck it up and to get his act right and all of this. And when I was all done doing my stuff, he pointed his finger at me, and he said, you're just like all the others. And God just broke me. I mean, literally broke me. <clears throat> I went home that night and couldn't sleep. God was dealing with me. He said, I, I don't deal with you that way. Why are you dealing with that man that way? And I think that was the main turning point when God really began to show his love to me and his grace to me. The next day I went to that man and I apologized profusely. I had removed him from everything <laughs> from, I don't know, mopping the floors and dust. And I, I took him out of everything uh, when I was mad at him. And then the next day I went to him and apologized and said, listen, I want you to preach Sunday night and began to show him love like God has shown me. And I watched in that man's life a complete transformation. I never once yelled at him, never once raised my voice ever again to him. And I just showed him love. And the transformation was phenomenal. 
And so God began to show me through that man um, just how much he loves me and cares for me. And I think that was kind of the trigger that really got me moving. Because then I started reading books more heavily. I called that heretic, who's now my friend, um, and started getting all kinds of answers and different things from him. And uh, it, it really began a journey for me. That's so good. What kept you from walking away completely from the church? When God was that harsh and distant, what made you want to stay? <laughs> That's a good question. I, I walked away many times in my heart and mind. I've been struggling over that thought for most of the day because I don't know what kept me there other than the grace of God. That was it. Um, there was there was so much brutality and just harshness that was directed toward me from my pastor. And then in my mind, God was doing the same thing. Um, there were several times I thought about committing suicide. Um, I mean, it was, it was just, it was brutal. And, and the only thing really that I can hold to is that God just had mercy on me and gave me just a little more grace to keep going because he knew where I was heading to. But, uh, uh, that's all I got. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's fair. I just think about there is a lot of people stuck in the same thing that mm -hmm. you and I um, have been stuck in before. I just wonder what would you tell them? What advice would you have for them to say, press into this? Or if this all, some people might not understand that the grace of God is sounds so scary. His unconditional love and freedom sounds terrifying. And for those people, what, what would you encourage them to start with? I would encourage what, what helped me tremendously is, is what you just mentioned, studying the love of God. And if we can get a hold of what the love of God is, that he loves us unconditionally, even when we do horrible things, even when we think horrible things, his love is unconditional. We as a society have been trained that our love is conditional. And with our love being conditional, then it depends on how people perform for us. God's not interested in performance. Performance-based Christianity will absolutely wipe you out. <clears throat> He's not interested in performance. He's interested in that relationship. And that's all he wants. And I would start there with the relationship. Um, I, I go to different churches and I preach and I use a baseball diamond. The first base is redemption, salvation. Second base is that relationship. And then third base is where all the service takes place. Um, there's a book I read by Watchman Nee called Sit, Walk, Stand. I think that's, in, <laughs> the order might be out of the way, out, out of order there, but it's something along those lines. And a Christian needs to just sit especially when they've been in a situation like this, they just need to sit and understand the relationship that God wants for them. Uh, he very much wants it like a father does, um, a loving father, that is, not a, not a brutal father. He wants you to be able to come into him any time of the day or night and just sit down and talk to him, just have a cup of coffee with him. I know some people think that's blasphemous, but that's really what he wants. He just wants that closeness. And for somebody who is where I was at in the beginning, it is a very scary journey to step out because there's a lot of reality that people will have to face about themselves and who they are. And to be a real Christian, you have to accept the fact that you're imperfect 
You have to accept the fact that you're going to fail and you have to be okay with that. And if you're not okay with that, you need to be <laughs> because failure is part of this whole thing. And God is okay with failure. He is okay with you stepping out and it not working out okay. Um, you look at the prodigal son in Luke chapter, excuse me, Luke chapter 15. The prodigal went out and he just absolutely blew it. But the father was waiting for him. In fact, the father ran to him and embraced him. Where the issue came was with the elder son. The elder son had, I don't, he was under the law. That's all I can say. He had that do, do, do mentality because he said, Father, look what I have done. Look what I have done. He had that performance-based mentality going. Prodigal son didn't have that. He just came to his father and said, listen, I messed up. And God, that man in Luke chapter 15, embraced him as he was. He, he had to have been smelly and filthy and everything else. And yet God took him as he was and worked him through that and cleaned him up. Patience, I think, is the big thing as well. Um, it doesn't happen overnight. In fact, a month ago, I was going through John 21. We have staff devotions every day. And I was going through John 21, and I preached it like the mean Baptists do. Sorry, <laughs> but that's the truth. Um, I preached it like they do. And um, I was sitting there with a pastor friend of mine. We were having coffee, and I said, listen, this is what I did. He asked me what I did in devotion, so I showed him. And he said, listen, can I show you something? And he took me through it the proper way showing the love of God and not the sin that was that that we portray as Baptists and all of that. He took me through there. This was a month ago, so I'm still learning. It's been, you know, eight to ten years on a journey, and I'm still learning a lot of stuff. I there, and at first I was mad because I thought, man, that mentality snuck in again. It It tripped me up again. And he's looking at me and he said, you're mad right now. I said, yeah. He said, you feel like you got taken, haven't you? I said, yeah. He said, don't worry about it. You're going to be learning this stuff for the rest of your life. Just relax. And so it is a learning process and it takes time and patience. One of the worst things that we can do when we start on this journey of grace is to get frustrated and to condemn ourselves because we're not where we're supposed to be. But that goes right back under the law mentality, under that list and that do mentality. God allows us to grow. God allows us to move in his time frame, little and little. And that's, that's what I keep telling myself, little and little. I've got some guys right now in my church that are just, um, they're going crazy with this stuff because they, it, the church was a very, very law-oriented church. And they're just going crazy with this stuff. And they come in every now and, again, now and again, and they say, Pastor, I'm discouraged. I can't figure this out. And I said, just rest, relax everything's good <laughs> and that i don't know anyway, i got a, i got off on a rabbit trail but yeah okay that's okay um i think the gospel is so it's the only thing that doesn't fit with the world's narrative and what we hear like you said the world gives us conditional love and the gospel is the only thing that's completely contrary to that so if it takes us time to grasp that for salvation and for everyday life, it kind of makes sense because mm -hmm. all of our other programming from the world and from religion counteract the truth of the gospel. No, oh, that's very true. Absolutely. And it's meant to do that. <clears throat> it's meant to get us to think opposite. Mm -hmm. 
In fact, I, I just preached a message. Um, it's, I think it starts in uh, Acts chapter 18. It says, Paul preached contrary to the law. And when he preached contrary to the law, he got all kinds of because he was teaching contrary to the world, contrary tr to tradition, and absolutely contrary to the law. And he got a lot of heat over that. And so when we begin this journey that's contrary to the world and contrary to the law, it, it poses some challenges. It really does. So how do you go about applying gospel and grace to your everyday life? You know, that's, that's a good one. Um, I used to in the morning, I would wake up and say, God, please help me to complete everything I need to do and don't let me screw up. Now I wake up in the morning, I say, God, I love you. Thank you for giving me another day. Looking forward to seeing what you have for me. <clears throat> and it's, it's really that. It's, it's that simple, and that's, that's the way I wake up in the morning. You know, I've always got my schedules and things like that, but it's, it's, I don't have that drive to get my lists done. There are some days where all I get is just one scripture in the morning, and God just permeates my heart and mind with that. And I'm okay with that. Sometimes he just gives me a word. It might be grace. It might be love. It, whatever. He just gives me a word. And so I apply that. And if that's the only word that God gives me, I relax and rest in that because I know that he's given me what I need for the day. It wasn't like that before. <laughs> right. Not even close. So who is God to you now? Oh, he is. He's a loving father. Um, I have I have a closer relationship with him now than I ever have in my life. Um, I I love him more than anything else. I I go out at night and I just look up at the stars and we talk. I mean it's it's just it's it's very much just like uh, I get an opportunity to go sit down with my dad and visit, and, and that's who he is. He's not this big scary ogre who's ready to beat me at the drop of a hat. He's a loving and kind father that every now and again, yeah, he has to chasten me, and I'm okay with that, but the chastening is not a beating. It's just it's just a correction, that's all, and Scripture teaches us about that, and so it, the relationship that him and I have now is phenomenal, and and 10 years ago, I'd have never thought that anything like this would exist, and here I am um, having this kind of relationship with God, the one that made the planets and the stars and all of that, it's pretty amazing where God has brought me and uh, pretty excited for the future too. <laughs> it is exciting. Once you realize that he really does want the best for you. I was thinking about trusting him. We, we talk about how we need to, we need to trust him and we almost like we have to muster it up, trust him more. But once we are in love with him and really know that he wants our best, trusting yeah. him comes easily. Well, it does. And there's a, there's a verse in Galatians that I hold to, but it says um, in Galatians 5 and verse 6, for in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, that's the law or not. Then it says, but faith, which worketh by love. So our faith, the only way that it works properly is through the love of God, but faith, which worketh by love. So the only way that we can function in this life is through that love. And if we function any other way, we fall back under circumcision or uncircumcision. And that's, that's the way that we work, just simply through love. Not, not obedience, not trying to gain his favor, but just because we love him. And what a wonderful motivation that is.
thank you for being here. I really appreciate your insight and I think you can help people on their journey um, that they're on as well. Amen. It's good to be here. Thank you. Thanks. If you relate to Kent's story about God feeling harsh or it feeling like God only wanted to get something out of you and you have trouble relating to the love of God, I have a resource that I would love for you to grab. It's completely free. If you click the link below this episode, you can grab my Revival Starter Kit and you can work through some journal prompts and get some ideas of where you can start so that you can get to know God on a more personal level for yourself. Thanks for listening to the Abundant Grace Podcast. I would love to connect with you, either to hear your story or hear your comments on today's episode. You can find me hanging out on Instagram, emily.abundantgrace, or send me an email, hello at emilyklewis.com. That's emily, the letter K, L-O-U-I-S dot com. Until next time, remember, God's grace abounds and won't ever run out.